0: Welcome back to DC Cinematic Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze Suicide Squad by each individual minute. My name's Nathan. You can find me on all social media at NoClutchNate.
1: And I'm Mark. You can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows.
2: And this is Chris Ayers from the People v. Batman v. Superman podcast. And also you can find me at my website, ChrisAyersCreative.com. Perfect. Welcome back. Thank you. Uh, Of course. Today,
0: we're talking about minute number... Twenty-two of Suicide Squad, and the minute's going to start out with Amanda Waller's continued uh, sales pitch of these pretty uh, fantastic characters. The minute's going to end with Doctor Moon calling upon the Enchantress. Yeah, which is pretty cool. I like the ending, the last second.
1: Yeah, it's let's talk about it first because it's really a, it's come on. You want a d-
0: dessert before dinner? Is that a thing?
1: That's for a this shot. I wouldn't mind it. Like it's a it's. It's a shot that I think exists outside the movie now. It is, I think, as far as, as filmmaking goes, like, it's a beautiful shot. It's like a, it's a really good storyboarded, like, moment. And I, I feel like if, if you took some of the best moments in not only this DC extended universe, cinematic universe, whatever you want to call it, but just DC films, superhero stuff, it's a pretty cool moment.
0: I have a question probably for both of you Mm -hmm. am i supposed to get from her whole character am i supposed to get the ring feeling and it's part two that question (laughs) is that considered like that uh japanese horror character trope of like that uh uh, like a pale demon kind of, like, overtaking a body entity thing. Do you know what I mean? Like, I get the ring kind of feel. I see where you're going. Yeah, and it's not just the ring, but it's, like, other things as well. Uh, they also played a bit to it.
1: Are you asking us to if we find it ter- scary? Spooky? No, I'm asking you, Is am, am I, I supposed spooked?
0: to be, like, uh, thinking about
2: the ring in that like Japanese uh, horror trope. We're supposed to get the influence. Yeah, I think it's. I think they're using a, the visual language is something you already recognize to introduce this concept. So I think that's fair. I, it is. It is sort of like the ring.
1: Yeah, and
0: you're supposed to be like, oh, she's like the ring. Okay, she's scary. Horror. Got it. Well,
2: that's a really quick way of just showing that something outside of her takes control of her, like the darkness takes control. And I, I think I've never seen a shot like this. So, I, no, yeah. So I, okay. I actually really love this shot. I, at this point in the movie, I thought, oh, this is going to be really inventive and, and, you know, visually interesting. It's not really true for the rest of the film, but this part is great. Cool. It could have been. So we it, are din- <laughs> dinner before dessert and it.
1: If, if we... Dessert before dinner. If the other versions of this film, versions, I don't know, version or versions, but like if there is that out there, um, maybe with the with the right kind of pacing, like... It could have been. Maybe it could have been a very, like, um, memorable character in the sense that they basically get the villain of a horror film as a supervillain. And not, like, a slasher supervillain, but, like, we're exploring things like like something James Wan would have done. Like, not that we haven't seen Aquaman yet, so we might get elements like that. But, yeah, it's, like, I think it's it works in a way that it's, like, it just is a really uh good feeling shot as as far as like design it's goes very fluid. Yeah. It is a very like well done mm-hmm. like I want to say choreographed because it does have a sense of like this is how this motion is going to happen and it, it's a it's a very like someone visualized that and they're like that's what I want to see and it's perfectly translated in this film. Like I don't think there's anything Like it's almost so simple looking and you, and it's one of those things that as a filmmaker you go, wow, that was so simple yet so effective. Right. Yeah. It's, I I think that's probably what it was where they're like, it really works. Yeah. I think that's the beauty of horror films in general is when they make things effective in the simplest ways. Um, things easy as, oh, we just have the villain or we just have scary person just standing there and it's way scarier than a jump scare, you know, like, um, Mm -hmm. strangers, oh, just have him standing there behind the curtain works perfectly. Like Mm -hmm. simple things like that are the best. Um, Right? I don't know.
2: No, yeah, I agree with you. I like the um, the visual take of Enchantress in this to make her darker and scarier. Because in the comics, mm -hmm. she's really just like a woman and literally in a green witch hat with some robes. mm -hmm. I mean, she's not scary. So you don't feel the threat. And, you know, the real drama with her character is always, is she going to be able to keep the witch in check and it not go not go rogue I mean, it's like the constant mm-hmm. struggle with her and i think it's way more interesting to keep that like as her personal struggle if she were a hero on the team rather than to just automatically make her the villain
1: um i i think like if she you know like if they were like showing traditional enchantress like it would have been like as the chairman says like it would have been very like what is this a magic show like Mm -hmm. like when we see Enchantress and like the way she's depicted in comic books it is kind of like you're wearing like a party city outfit yeah Yeah. the witch yeah a little cheesy comic book witch yeah you you can accept
2: it in comic books but when you have a a cinematic world that is so grounded in realism it's not gonna work mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. yeah and but then at the same time we have other Justice League dark type characters like madame xanadu who is like kind of walking the walk in in what she is like she's like i i practice magic in my basement i'm a weirdo and witch doctor but like What's enchantress is like i'm wearing this outfit and it's like what are you doing <laughs> um but yeah no the 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 way she's depicted here originally is so well done um i you know like I hate bringing up this topic, but the hair and makeup is so well done yeah. in Enchantress, in, in um, and I'll leave it at that. Um, <laughs> but, like, it's almost kind of a downer when it kind of changes for some people. Like, for some people, it's a downer when she has kind of, like, her third act kind of representation. And uh, we, we want to see this more often. And hopefully, if there is a Suicide Squad sequel that has enchantress it would be nice to return to this form you know um it would be bad to just have june moon and not enchantress anymore right kind of pointless yeah i don't want to is... like insult like a thing <laughs> before i've even seen it but yeah, I, I mean yeah i feel like if you're gonna have enchantress or cara Delevingne reprise any character it's like okay but we get to cool get to have that cool character again or at least some cool like we want more of this shot that we're seeing right at the end of this minute, like,
2: and l- less cool. of the gyrating, ridiculous CGI mess at the end.
1: Yes, exactly. Do this and do it more often, to the point where we get fatigued and then we don't want it anymore, right? So, I'll tell you um, from the
2: perspective of my wife, who I saw this with, who absolutely hates this movie. Uh, she really hated the depiction the, the of the Enchantress at the end, where she just the, nearly naked and, and you know dancing around which yeah. i can't argue with. <laughs> it's not good.
1: I like I like the possessive movement, but um it does it seems like and and it's not just this film. It's a, it's all superhero films where they're like, "Oh, at the end of the day, this person needs to get their billing in and we need to like like get rid of the the get rid of the superhero design because it's it's insert celebrity name here." Are they like, "Yo, can Claire Delavine dance? Mm-hmm. well not the dancing part, but like maybe just the, the I classic. don't remember I don't remember
0: that part at it's all. It's not a end. dancing
1: part. It's just like she as she She it, does it's like, like June Moon. Things? It's like June Moon trying to like fight the possession. Well, we'll get there. Don't worry about oh, it. Don't yeah.
2: spoil it for me. <sighs> but it to me it's interesting the, the way they present her all buttoned up and like her hair tied back and like really conservative. And then the trans mm-hmm. the transformation it is that much more effective because it's yes. because it's just so different.
1: Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. She's even got um, like little moon earrings. So it's like uh, mm. I always like when superhero art comic book characters kind of have like some sort of casual representation of who they are. Um, I always think that's a win, especially in comic books when you see like, um, I don't know, like you'll see a Robin in Gotham and he's like in like street clothing or he's going to school or something like that. And it's like always cool to see something like maybe he's wearing like a red jacket or something. It's like, oh, yeah. The Red Shoes is what Red it was, Shoes, uh, yeah. We Are Robin. Um, I like seeing that in, in comic book characters. I like seeing the, the alter ego, but in, in casual form. Um, yeah, it's a it's really well done. And um, maybe even having June Moon be afraid to do it is also something that gets the audience to be like, yeah, we do want to see it. Kind of like a Jaws effect where it's like, this person really doesn't want to change into this you know, Jekyll, Mr. Hyde situation. I was just about to reference that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Maybe (laughs) that's, that's
0: probably better.
1: Is that like a selling point? Do you think that like adds to like people's enjoyment of seeing a transformation? Like,
0: I think it's always like if there's, if there's a, someone that has like a two side kind of thing, Mm -hmm. you have to have, think about a Jekyll and Hyde split kind of thing. Two face as well.
1: You have to have it? I think. Because we have a superhero who loves to transform, being Shazam. So, but then that's also like... But he's
0: also a 10-year-old kid, and they have a lot of stories about him being a 10-year-old kid. Yeah. It's not the, it's <laughs> not the
2: same dual nature, though. He's still essentially good. He's not changing yeah. from good to bad. Yeah. Yeah. So, maybe... Hmm, I mean, it's, it's a really maybe basic dual thing. dual nature, yeah. Yeah. Like, this, yeah. that's inside everybody, right? We all have the potential to be really bad if, if we don't keep it in check
1: which probably will be that, the, that is a the moral impact, think, of the yeah. Shazam story. Uh, um, let's see. Uh, yeah, so the chairman who I forget, I didn't cast credit him. You're going to, I mean, uh, is I Aiden. think I wrote,
0: I wrote military man.
1: Yeah, General Edwards, chairman of this meeting, uh, chairman of the Pentagon, I'm assuming, played by Aiden uh, Divine. Um, he says that we won't put out these monsters in our name. And that, um that we can like he asked Amanda Waller, like, how do you know we or no, he's telling her we you know we can't control these people, so my question is, he's saying that he's afraid to put these people out there that might be smirched like the the government's name, like they might mess up and and like give us a bad rap. does that seem like something that? governments would really be afraid of? I feel like that... Yep. I think so. Do you think it's really holding anyone back?
2: Well, our government is supposed to be, yep. supposed to be noble and, you know, doing the best, but it, one thing I really like about, like, John Ostrander's perspective, who wrote the original comic, I mean, he mm-hmm. he was born in, like, 1949, so he was probably really cynical about government because he, you know, was he saw through Vietnam, he saw Nixon, he saw the Iran-Contra mm-hmm. scandal... And it became the, like, the idea of America being this really noble thing, but it was really dirty underneath. Like, we had, our our people in power had bad intentions, but we always want to look squeaky clean on the top. So that's why I think Suicide Squad is such a great, like, postmodern superhero concept, because it came about in the mid-80s when, you know, we were kind of fed up with, with the government doing this kind of crap.
1: Yeah, and that's why I thought it was weird that this government is kind of treating Amanda Waller as kind of, like, this radical in the sense of coming up with, like, these nefarious ways of getting the government to get what it it wants. Excuse me, and it's like, why is this guy, like, so upfront about, I don't know, he is the chairman, so maybe that's on him to be like that, but... Well,
2: someone still you has to be the adult be like, in the room. You know, they have to be the uh, the, the serious, <laughs> you know, you have the worst elements in your government trying to push for things that are bad. And you have these other people who are hopefully still there to, to make sure everything is okay.
1: Or maybe it's the other way around. Maybe Amanda Waller is like, hey, it's time for you guys to grow up and realize that this naive perspective of how the world works isn't going to get you anywhere. Maybe she's pushing that agenda.
2: Yeah, I think that's part of her character. I, it's, I mean, that's her to a T, really. I mean, I, I, she's like one of my favorite DC characters just because of what she represents. Like, just oh, just, yeah. for, just force of willpower. She she can muscle all these guys in this room and get what she wants.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, we're so, like, to have the Amanda Waller character. Um, that's we, what we
0: should be thankful for the most.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and Viola Davis playing her. You know, it's a great portrayal. It's a great, you know, representation uh and a great moment in in the film and like this kind of character lives on you know what i mean as far as like future publications go this is a character type that we can look back to and we can literally say her name and people will understand the context of a of this kind of character we go make it like you know she's like this person's like amanda waller like and it's like okay i get it this extremely gray like Doing what must be done to get what you want, and is it for the better? Is it for the worse?
0: Is "despicable" a bad word? But like, I mean, as it, I mean it as a compliment because she uses it to her favor.
1: I some people like
0: like 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 Cuella Deville. She's (laughs) despicable, but it's to her compliment. Yeah, she's a fantastic
2: character. You kind of have to like her just based on the sheer personality and the charisma. But at the same time, you don't, you might not agree with her.
1: Do I like Glenn Close's? You can't even... That's not even a question. <laughs> of course I do. <laughs> yeah. Going <laughs> close in anything. Well, I,
2: I think it's uh, with regard to Amanda Waller, how many times she's been used and adapted into live action. I mean, it's, did you guys talk about that when she first came out? Uh, no. Because, I mean, she's, they keep bringing her out for stuff. Like, she was in Smallville, played by Pam Greer. She was mm-hmm, in Green mm-hmm. Lantern, played by Angela Bassett. She was in the Arrow TV show, played by Cynthia Adai Robinson, and then also in the, the animated series, um... Batman the animated series and Justice League by CCH Pounder. I mean she's they keep bringing this character back cuz she's great.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And she's um uh yeah, Young Justice, you know, they bring her back in a lot of things and it's it's an honestly it's a good character to have. Um you know, like we tend to look at Lex Luthor and it's like especially and it's it's it's, it's um they know it, they acknowledge it in like comic books themselves where it's like Lex Luthor tries to do anything Nice. It's always like, uh, "All right, Lux Luthor, what do you up to this time?" Kind of thing. Like, but with Amanda Waller, sometimes you're like, especially with, when you include characters like Batman, and then you make you write Batman as confused to the to mm-hmm. the thread that Amanda Waller might be pulling on, and you make characters like Batman go, "Okay, I don't know if I should be arresting you right now mm-hmm. or if I should help you," and. It's characters like Amanda Waller that are so finessed um, in that situation. I think we talked about earlier in in the first week we started this film was that Amanda Waller might have been the only one who really got anything out of the last film, which was Dawn of Justice, being that Lex Luthor's locked up. The files on or the existence of metahumans has kind of been cracked open for her. There's no Superman, so she can say anything she wants at this point. Um I think she, you know, she kind of has an agreement with Batman because now she has leverage over him, even. And so it's like she comes into this, the victor of Dawn of Justice, basically. And she's like, now I can do what I want, and everyone's going to be eating out of my hands. And you know, the, yeah, go you, you got, you got this. But it, it just makes for an even more terrifying person because, um, as we discovered by the end of this film, she still hasn't lost. So
0: yeah.
2: There's a, a great uh, cover of Suicide Squad number 10 where she's like pointing her fist, her, her uh, finger into Batman's chest and Batman's like taking it back and a little bit scared of her. And like that's all <laughs> you need to know. Even Batman is afraid of her.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's like one of the few people that Batman actually has to like hesitate on and really consider before making the is next move. Is it
0: because of her government pull?
2: Is why people are afraid Mm. of her.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, kind of particularly Batman. Is it? I mean, aside from knowing uh, alter egos and whatnot, is the government pull a scary thing? And again, is that supposed to be reflected bad on our own government?
2: (laughs) Well, I I think the vision, the the idea of Suicide Squad in the '80s was it was reflecting badly on our government. So Um, in turn, Amanda Waller is just that. She's Yet, that personified. She's the worst element of of the government, I think. Really to oh, do the dirty geez. work. And then the, she's um she has power like, you know, at the end of this movie the little stinger scene, post-credit scene. I mean, she has the dirt on Batman. Right? Mm-hmm. He's afraid of her because she she has this network and she knows everything. She's she's like the the other side of Batman. She's like always prepared and always one step ahead, and that's why Batman's afraid of her.
1: Does um does Amanda Waller like what motivates her through her career is it is it her trying to get to the top is she is she trying to climb or is there a real like hedonistic passion about pulling strings like being a puppet master basically is she enjoying where she's at and she wants to stay there within the government like i want to be behind the scenes pulling strings person or does she want to be like I want to work my way up to being, you know, kind of House of Cards stuff. It's like, a chess I want to be the president.
0: It's checkmate and a chess game thing. It's like she, like, the pulling the strings thing is what I've always taken it as. Like, that's what she, that's her high.
1: Like, that she would, she would stay in this position. She's she,
0: controlling over everything. She knows every outcome, and she knows the next, you know, ten steps. That's just what I always feel like she gets. And I think where she is at, that's the perfect position to be at. You know, it's not like she doesn't want to be president. This is
1: her dream job?
0: I think. Being yeah. head of Argus, I, yeah, I wouldn't agree. I wouldn't Argus disagree. gives you yeah. what free range of whatever you want to do with metahumans.
1: Yeah, I'm. I completely agree, Chris. Uh, do you have any thoughts on like what, you know maybe what might motivate Amanda yeah. Waller?
2: Yeah, you guys are missing something. I think uh, the, the big part of it. If you take a look at this wide shot, there's a, a room full of white men, uh, military guys, and she's standing at the head of the table and she has their complete attention. And part of it Absolutely. is is being a black woman in the society and and like which is a group of people who are you know typically the most dispossessed most difficult for them I mean, for her to be at this point and that's the most important thing i think for her like she's she's pulled herself up by her bootstraps and now she is where she is from hard work and determination and not because she was come from a privileged class
1: yeah absolutely i agree you know there are always things that like you you look at and and especially with amanda waller it's Who she is and how she was, you know... I'm not sure why she was created, you know, back in the day. I can't, you know, speak for that writer or artist or whoever. But it is a big, obvious representation of, like, this is someone who I could probably safely say grew up not having their way and said, hey, I'm going to make, you know, as a quote of the last film god bends to my will now like to sit, to be that person and amanda waller is doing that getting people to do what she wants is her specialty and that is the basis of the character and it's great uh, you know it's uh, just foolproof character <laughs> um this so as the chairman's asking like you know there's there's no way we can control these type of people that are metahumans. They I we we've, we've seen Superman, we've seen how ineffective we are to controlling someone like that. Um we've had aliens come attack our planet. We've had a giant monster, you know, in the port of Gotham. Um like there's no way we could ever try to contain something like this. We've we've already been two 3 years it doesn't seem like anything um uh, can really solve this issue um which kind of seems to prompt this demonstration and I, I'm not sure like Amanda Waller had this already planned like that's exactly why I brought June Moon here but um what she does is she she wants to show off this this metahuman um is that is that like where we are right now as far as like this meeting like people are like learning about metahumans is that are we like in I well, I guess the dawn of justice is like not just the dawn of Justice League superheroes, but, like, just the dawn of metahumans? Like, are we in, like, the wake of that because of the last film?
2: It's really hard to tell, honestly, what these people think about, like, what kind of world they live in. Like, are they scared? Like, some of them don't seem to be taking it very seriously.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I
0: think a lot of them still think and see them as just freaks, and, you know, they especially, like, when they look at, like, Killer Croc, it's like, oh, he's just got... Uh, Skin, he's disease. got a condition, yeah. yeah. It's like, okay, and he's just a freak and he's a circus freak, or, or per se. Same kind of thing if, like, so it's why, like, you can introduce someone like the penguin and have him looking like a round bird, and people just be like, okay, he's just got whatever. So, I, th- I, st- I think they still live in fear of just like the oddity of some mm-hmm. of these meta humans, um, but also, I think a lot of people, uh, turn. Uh, a, sh- a shy eye is that, mm-hmm. is that the phrase oh yeah and
1: like the fact that this is our first magic character and so like for some people they're like all right you're gonna show me a guy who just wears a trench coat and throws boomerangs all right what do you have here and yeah it's like, no this is a this is some mayan possessed ghost thing and it's like okay right And so i guess they're not expecting it and they're like as far as they know, they just think aliens exist, right? One
0: guy that they should be really concerned about is, I think, is, is Diablo. They should be like, "Yo, that guy can shoot fire from his whole body." Um, what?
1: Yeah, everyone looks like
0: they look. A lot of them look like common criminals, which is you know the idea behind it. But then you, Diablo, I don't know, Diablo would seem like an he could be. Yeah, it, it's like that's. It's kind of They're the not, only not, two not magic, but. He's got an ability that a lot of people can't explain because how does this dude just have fire abilities? You know, people say it's, you know, religious aspect or whatever. But again, he's locked in a cage, so maybe people don't know he exists. And then there's Katana, who has a magic sword. Uh, Yeah, but... If you told me if she walked up into the helicopter wearing that outfit and she said I have a magic sword, I'd be like, all right, you got that from Party City. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you belong, you belong in the in the loony bin or yeah. something like. Yeah, yeah, well, it is.
2: In it, this it, scene, like uh, Amanda Waller putting her strongest piece on the board. She realizes, yeah. like she she's going to use Interanters to kind of sell the concept because she's mm-hmm. the strongest and could actually take on something like Superman.
0: It's a sales pitch. She's got to show you the goods. You're like, look, you're going to want to buy this.
1: Yeah. This is like uh, this is it. This is a big deal. This is like the alien ride at Disney, where they're like, "Hey, look at this alien!" It's like, "Oh no, the alien got out!" Sorry. It's like, this is that moment where they oh, show you, you walk in first, and they show yeah, you, yeah, okay, they show yeah. you that the alien. They're like, "Hey, look at this enchantress! Look at all the cool stuff! This is my crown jewel! I am so excited to show you guys this!" Oh, she got out! <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, she's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Exactly. <laughs> And it's like, I own it. I have complete control of it. And it's like, that's the demonstration. If I can control this possessed demon from the Mayan ruins, I can control anybody. Right. And that's With just King pure
2: Kong. hubris on the point of point of Amanda Waller, which is one of her traits. You know, she's way overconfident. She can't control the situation.
1: That's the that's the Achilles heel, right? Yeah. Were you going to say something, Nate? I just
0: said King Kong.
1: The eighth wonder of the world. Yeah, it's you're right. It's a
0: stretch, but I don't know. Trying to control something. But well, I mean, that is a theme. That is always a
2: theme that whatever mm-hmm. is beyond our control, we will try to control it. Inevitably, it's going to go bad.
1: Yeah, that is the takeaway. Yeah. Moral of the story, right? Um, that's all I had for this one, though. The transformation happens right at the end of the minute. And so thankful it didn't get cut. Like, it, it happens perfectly, and then the minute ends. So, mm-hmm. um, but that's all I had for this one.
0: Yeah, we talked about the dessert
2: first. So.
1: Are you upset about that? No, I was... I, Are you not a dessert before dinner person? That's the
0: title of the episode now. Okay. <laughs> if, if you're going to have your
2: dessert first, you can wash it down with one of the 12 bottles of Dasani water on the conference table. Because, right? <laughs> I know. Mean, and look <laughs>
0: how cluttered this table is. I know. It's,
1: I, I didn't want to bring
2: it up. It's but so it's obvious like product Dasani. placement because there's a can of Coke in the foreground when Coke owns Dasani. So I'm like, yeah. they part of the scene was probably paid for by Coca-Cola.
1: <laughs> I, when it, he was holding it with his hand, I was looking at it earlier, and it was like, they it looks like they hid it, but they wanted it. So that's yeah, it's why was, it's too
2: obvious. Uh, there's it's too there's obvious. so many labels facing toward the camera. Every time you yeah. see those bottles. <laughs> I thought it was funny.
1: God awful. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're going to go ahead and wrap up for today. If you enjoyed everything you heard, you can follow us on all social media at DCU minutes and the Facebook group to DC cinematic minute listener society and chat with us and other guests and listeners of the show. Uh, if you haven't listened to man of steel and Donna justice, you're catching up on that. Chris is on both of those Um, and that's like well over 300 episodes, close to 400 episodes of content that you can just listen to. It's free. Um, And we'll catch you guys tomorrow for minute number 23 of Suicide Squad.